Welcome. You are listening to the Sunday Sermon Podcast from Claycomo Baptist Church in Claycomo, Missouri. Today is Sunday, June the 26th, 2022. Pastor Scott Gordon continues his Healthy Habits study with Service, Getting in Shape, discussing 1 Corinthians and Hebrews. And now to Pastor Scott. Turn to... 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I hope you appreciate the very intentional coordination we did this morning uh, with the, the front line of the worship team here being the uh, yellow and black and white, and uh, the guys in the background, and I'll just lump myself in just because I was standing there, not that I contributed anything, the, the choral crew in the back, uh, we were all you know very intentionally coordinated. And if you believe that, then I've got other things I could try and sell. Um, uh, but, but first, Jamie's right. I should repent because there was no coordination um, in that. But uh, it just worked out, I guess, in that respect. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we continue our study in healthy habits that is strengthening our, our spiritual life. And so as you're turning there, before, before we get into that, I, I've got a question for you. You're going to see it on your screen, and it's this. Why go to the gym? Why go to the gym? Now, some of your all's first response is just like this one. That's a good question. Why? Why? I've been there. Why? The other answer is to improve my health. To improve my health. And that is exactly what I have been striving for. That is my desired goal for us as a church and as individual believers, that as we are talking about investigating the Scripture regarding these habits that God has set before us, has called us to incorporate into our lives as His children for our benefit and for the blessing of others as well, that we would do well to think not merely about, oh yeah, that's a good idea, and then set it on the shelf. That's why even on Wednesday nights, I've kind of called our Wednesday night prayer meeting being in the gym. Because as we think about this, this question spiritually, I'm drawn to a couple of scripture, scriptures. First of all, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 says this, Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That work out is a, an intentional labor. It is put effort into working out. In other words, our salvation is something that God does for us. There is nothing we could do to accomplish it. We are helpless and hopeless. The Bible says we are dead in our trespasses and sins. All of us who have ever been born, with the exception of one, that would be our Lord Jesus Christ, has been born into sin. We can't help it. That's who we are by definition because of the fall that we read about in Genesis chapter 3. So all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, not even one. The good news is this, that while we were still sinners, God loved us and sent his son to die on the cross for us. And the good news goes even further, that it is because God loved the world in this way that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
And so all of that is accomplished, and yet we are told that we are created in Christ Jesus in Ephesians 2 to do good works. And therefore, we must, as Paul says here in Philippians 2, work out our salvation. It's not that we accomplish our salvation. It is because we are saved, we work out, we give evidence, we grow in grace, we grow in faithfulness, we grow in righteousness, in holiness, in our lives each and every day. The other aspect is a familiar verse throughout our study, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. Just by way of reminder, we hear this, but have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. That word training, that is the word from which we get gymnasium in our day and time. And it is that idea of having an active schedule of training. And so that we are very intentional in all of these matters that we have talked about, including the habit of service. Now, to improve the health of my serve, if you will, as a Christ follower, I must be in shape. Now, you say, what shape? Well, for me lately, it's round, so there you go. You never would have guessed that about me growing up. Even up to the time I was a freshman in high school, the most I ever weighed was 125 as an 18-something-year-old college freshman. Since a few years after that, life has changed. I've never seen that again. I don't think I would ever see it again. I've gone up, down, up, down. I've gone down, I'm on the up, and now I'm on a stable line that needs to go back down again. But when we think about service, some of us think, you know what, I'm not able. I don't have what it takes. I mean, the, the ones who are called to serve, those people, those, those missionaries, those, those pastors, those evangelists, those deacons, and, and those, are, those, people, those are the ones to serve. Well, beloved... Here's the good news. All of us are called. And whom God calls, he has shaped for service. And so we have a shape for service. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about this. We talked about the motivation for our service and that expectation that Jesus has of us and, and the, those things that can foster, if you will, give us the fuel to desire to serve. The next question is, how are we enabled to serve? And that's where we find ourselves today and finding ourselves in shape. What does shape mean? The shape acrostic, S-H-A-P-E, is not original with me. I first learned about it, and the, the place I've seen it the most is from Pastor Rick Warren, Saddleback Church in California. And in his study and everything about the purpose-driven church, the purpose-driven life, while there are some things in there that I go, mm, you know, change that a little bit, his description of how we are shaped for service is one of the best I've seen anywhere. This acrostic stands for these aspects of our lives that God has placed that have shaped us for service. It's these spiritual gifts, heart, Abilities, personality, and experiences. That is our shape. All of us are shaped for service in God's kingdom. 
And so today we're going to focus on that essential aspect of shape. And that's spiritual gifts. Without spiritual gifts being a part of our shape for ministry service, we would simply be doing something else. We would be doing some kind of good works. We would be doing something that we would call for the benefit of others, but it would have no spiritual significance. It would have no biblical motivation, and it would have no biblical purpose. But as believers, our starting point has to be there. What has God said? What has God called me to do? Who has God called me to be? And out of the overflow of our understanding of that truth, the rest of how God has made me impacts the way that I can serve, the way that I will serve. And while there are some similarities between a lot of us, there is none of us who are duplicate copies, even identical twins. And so we are each unique in a way that God has called us and made us. And yet at the same time, there are so many similarities that that's how we encourage each other. As we learn about how we're shaped for service. As we learn about the opportunities we have within the family of faith. And more and more, I used to think when we start talking about spiritual gifts, we start talking about it, that this ought to be just contained to the local church. And I won't say that my thinking has changed. I believe that's primary. But I believe that if our attitude toward service, and I said this within the last couple of weeks, merely exists within the local body, that we are missing a, a major aspect of God's calling on our lives to serve. Our service and ministry extends beyond these walls, extends beyond these people here and those watching us via our live stream as, as our brothers and sisters in Christ to our neighbors I can't seem to get away, I didn't even put it in my outline this week, from Galatians 5, 13, and 14. I mentioned it two weeks ago when I preached. I mentioned it Wednesday night when we got together to talk about some of these aspects. And then in our Sunday school class this morning, William mentioned that as part of his lesson. I'm going, okay, God, I kind of get the point. That we were called to be free. And the Spirit has set us free. We're not to use that freedom as an opportunity for our flesh, but through love serve one another. And the aspect of the fulfillment of our service extends to this, to love our neighbors as ourselves. That is that aspect that we see for us. So as we begin with shape, we're going to be looking at spiritual gifts. And thus, we find ourselves in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In verses 4 through 6, what I see given to us here is God's plan for gifting his church for service. This kind of sets the context for all of the aspects of how am I gifted by God through the Holy Spirit to serve within the church and as part of the church to serve the world in which I live around me. So beginning in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we read, Now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. Now if you're no stranger to what I've taught about this, this is going to sound really familiar. And I would apologize for it, but I'm not sorry because you and I need to hear it again. I need to hear it again. This is the description for spiritual gifts. And if we forsake this aspect of our calling for service, then we will be frustrated. 
If we try to do this in our own strength, or we think that we've got to manufacture our service and ministry based on the other aspects of our shape, then we will be frustrated. Because in our own strength, we don't have all that it takes to get it done. But with the enabling of the Spirit, He energizes every aspect of who we are for the glory of His name, the sake of His kingdom, and that's what we're about. That's who we are called to be as his children. So based on these three verses, I see three types of spiritual gifts. And I want to kind of lay out that discussion for us. Some of you have heard it before. Some of you may not have heard it before. Some of you, by the time we get done, may have more questions than you have answers. But hang with me. We won't be done after today in talking about this. And here's my big time commercial. If we're talking about working out and you're interested in going, well, how should I serve? How can I serve? Where can I serve? And all of these aspects of understanding deeper what we're going to talk about today, please be here on Wednesday night. I don't normally say much about our prayer meeting. It's the lowest attended church-wide event that we have in any given week. It just is. I understand some of our schedules prohibit that. And I would never do anything to alter that. But I would encourage in this instance, especially if you've got questions and go, man, I want to talk about this some more. It's not really easy to do that right here on Sunday morning. Best time we have for a conversation is, one, call me in the office and let's get together for coffee. Starbucks is great. Just saying. Or whatever else. And let's have a conversation one-on-one. Or on Wednesday night, we're going to have a conversation as a group in this. We've been doing that for like four or five weeks now. I've enjoyed every minute of it. We've talked about issues. We've talked about encouraging each other as we live out the Christian life and strengthening the habits in our lives. And this is another opportunity for that. So I need to jump into this and and let's get our track shoes on because as we're in the gym today, we're going to be running real quick just to lay out a foundation for us this morning. The first of the types of spiritual gifts we see in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 would be described as motivational gifts. It says there in verse 4, Now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. These gifts, uh, the words that are used here, and why I see the three different types, in verse 4, the word gift is used. In verse 5, the, the word ministries or service is used. And then in verse 6, activities or effects is used, depending upon the translation. And there are some other ones there, but those are some of the basic ones. And so those indicate for me that while there's a commonality among the spiritual gifts, they come from the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life and mine and among us together as the people of God, it also says there are some different aspects and anything we might be concerned about not being able to do, God has the base covered for us if we would just listen to him and follow after him. So first of all, these gifts, these enablings, I see described for us in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. Paul, talking to another group of Christians in a different city, says it like this. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If if exhorting, in exhortation. Giving, with generosity. Leading, with diligence. Showing mercy, 
with cheerfulness. And I don't have time to outline every one of these. That's why I said part of this is going to be a track meet for us. But I believe, biblically speaking, God has given each one of us at least one of these gifts to motivate our ministry life, our service life. And this is where it gets hard describing it because you hear the same word described in about five different places in the word service. Because you say, well, one of them is service. And that's where I understand there can be some aspects of going, I don't service when I talk about the habit of service, is the attitude of ministry to helping others, to caring for others, to bearing one another's burdens, to all of that aspect that we see, and then on top of that, to go into all the world with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe each one of us has at least one of these gifts. I do not believe that any of us has all of these. If you're going, I'm super spiritual, I have all of these motivational spiritual gifts. No, no, no. Do you notice that it says right here in verse 6, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. So we don't all have the same ones. Now, some of us may have, and depending, and there's a lot that could be to the dynamic, research is shown in churches, blah, blah, blah. That's the, the rabbit chasing moment, and so I'm going to leave that to the side. Each one of us has at least one primary motivation. We might have others, and God may equip us with the need of the moment but I believe that there is a calling. And within any group of Christians that is a local church, we would see all of these present. And I believe we do. I just believe all of us don't necessarily know where we are. And you're going to ask, how do we find out? Hold on to that thought. I'm not there yet. But each one of us has at least one of these. And the fact that we don't have the others means what? It means we need each other. Because what I lack, you have. What you lack, I have. And in all of this, we can encourage and help each other within the church, be the church, for the glory of his name, the sake of his kingdom, and a world that needs to see the reality of who God is, our Savior, Jesus Christ, especially in times in which we live like these. I know throughout history, Christians can say that. Oh, man, nobody, we, we, we got to have this in times in which we live. I think there's a reason for that. Because these times in which we live are impacted by sin and fallenness and the incompleteness of this world. And while we look for the day where there is no more sorrow, no more shame, no more sin, when we find ourselves, especially having trusted Christ as Savior, in the presence of our Lord forevermore, separated from sin, and the unfortunate reality on the other end is that that final resolution of those who reject Christ will be separated from God forever in hell taking on the punishment, the wrath of God that is rightly deserved by all of us who have offended an eternal and holy God. That is why salvation is so wonderful and so necessary and so beautiful a picture. And then these giftings and the life of a Christian here and now is so important. Those are the motivational gifts. Next category we see in 1 Corinthians Chapter 12 and verse 5, and these I would call the ministerial gifts. It says there in verse 5, there are different ministries, but the same Lord. Ministries, service, it's the word diakonion. 
It's the same word from which we get deacon. We've already been there before this, in this study of service. The ministry of service is not limited to the deacons of our church. The opportunity to minister to one another's and to others is not limited to the pastoral staff of this church. It is the calling that we all have. But as we're thinking about ministry gifts, what does the Bible have to say about these? There's a couple of them, and I want to put these together because this is the area where we tend to say, here are the only categories, or here are the, and, and a lot of it comes from a rightly understood passage, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, says this, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. All those underlined words are, are spiritual gifts that deal with a ministry. You say, see, that's what it is. The only ones who can minister have to fit one of these categories. Oh, hold on. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. And it says there, be hospitable to one another without complaining. That's a message in and of itself, but we'll pass it by. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others. As good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. I'll come back to that. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Ephesians 4, good category of ministry gifts. It is not the all-inclusive list. Why? Well, I believe 1 Peter chapter 4, these verses that we've just read, indicate that there is a gift that has to do with hospitality. There is another reminder of the gift of speaking, of sharing the word, of teaching in that respect, Let one who speaks God's words, the truth of God. And if anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides. Listen, so that, my, that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, here's our lives, in everything. My life, your life, is a ministry to others. Now, some of them, in fact, and there are others, and we think about ministries in the church, and that is absolutely valid, and that's a part of what we are talking about. But the gift of ministry or the ministerial gifts are those aspects of our lives in which God has placed us to be, first of all, encouragers to the brethren and missionaries to the lost. It's in your office. It's on your street. Our areas of Ministry, So it's not confined to the prophets, the pastors, the evangelists, the teachers. It is your life and mine. It can be a Sunday school teacher. can be a youth ministry leader. It can be a children's worship leader. It can be a, 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 a other areas. Of, sir, I've got about five of them running across, and rather than trip over all of them, I'll just trip and then say all of these things within the life of the church. The gift of service, some of it can even be what we would call behind the scenes. We don't think of those. We think of spiritual gifts, the, the stuff that keeps somebody on front and everybody has the spotlight on them. But these opportunities for teaching don't happen without others helping make sure 
that we have everything in place that we need as a church to serve one another and to serve others. So there's the motivational gifts, those seven that we find in Romans chapter 12. There are ministry gifts which we see emphasized in Ephesians and in 1 Peter. And then finally, there are the manifestational gifts. In verse 6 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we read this. And there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. <coughs> Excuse me. That word different activities is a little bit of a, a weak translation. It's not wrong. It's just not strong enough. And this is from my new favorite translation. This is the, the one I like, the CSB. The word has to do with results, the result, the effects. These are the enablements that happen as a result of our motivational and ministerial gifts being put into play and impacting each other's lives or our neighbor's lives as well. What might that look like in general? The description we find right here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 of some aspects of this. This is also by no means an inclusive list, but beginning in verse 7 we read, A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as He wills. Now, I know there's a lot of landmines in here that I can spend hours upon trying to describe and explain. And I'm not going to do that today outside to say this. The way the Spirit manifests the results of His work among us are solely up to Him, not us. We are not called to seek any of these. We are not called to have all of these at any one given point in time whether it be the one that gets us into challenging waters is often the gift of tongues and prophecy and how do we understand all of those aspects of that. But here are the results of God at work. And how do we understand God is at work among us and our service is effectively what he has called us to do? There will be growth in wisdom. There will be growth in knowledge, not only for ourselves, but those with whom we are partnered within the church and others and that. Then there's this. I love this. There's a gift of faith by the same Spirit. We think, don't I already have faith? Faith is a gift from God, period. Even the very faith by which you responded to Jesus in coming to him as Savior is a gift. Had he not given it, none of us would. Think about that for a minute. I love Charles Spurgeon. You all know that. One of my favorite pastors, the London Baptist pastor of a bygone century quite literally said that salvation is all of grace all of God and I love that we respond God initiates God enables every aspect of our life with him and so that gift of faith that 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 effect that manifestation of faith is a beautiful picture of the response even in coming to Christ salvation is pictured there I believe 
many others are listed there, but that is not the, the end all of that. In Ephesians chapter 4, right on the heels of that explanation of those ministry gifts to help organize and lead God's people within a local church, the pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists, all of that that is listed there. In Ephesians, we keep on going in verses 12 and 13. Why are these gifts given? What is the result? What is the manifestation of these gifts all at work? It is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Those underlined words you see there are more resulting spiritual gifts coming out of our functioning together in those other two arenas of the gifts God has given to us as his church, as his people. And so we see a beautiful picture. Why is all of this? That we would be equipped and that in being equipped, the body would be built up and that we would reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son and that we would mature and, and have a stature that is being like Jesus everywhere that we go and in everything that we do. Now, I feel like I'm running here and I actually made it to the finish line nearly in time here. But the finish line is just the starting line for the next. Because I realize running through this, we've set a, a lot of context, but we've not answered a further question. That's why I'm going to do everything I can to encourage Wednesday night. And we'll pick up with this again next Sunday as well. Here's a reminder, a couple of aspects here. When it comes to the spiritual gifts, we all have them. You, me, everybody. I would say it this way, even little Lauren. Coming to faith in Christ is now gifted for service. The rest of her heart, abilities, personality, and experience will all play into how God will use her in various circumstances. But the best thing about the salvation beyond the fact that we are saved from our sin and given a re relationship with Jesus Christ is that we are now enabled to serve others for his glory. And she is too. Just like you, just like me. There's no difference in the opportunity we all have. Motivational gift, we all have at least one. Ministerial gift, we all have at least one. The manifestations... We all see more than one in our lifetime, in our own lives and the lives of others around us. As we think, as we conclude this time, as we think about the value of investing in and strengthening our service, I want to remind us of a couple of scriptures that are helpful to me in saying, is it worth it? Is, is the time thinking about this worth it? And how do I go about, should I invest? How do I know my spiritual gifting? As we'll talk about that next week, I've left that intentionally out there. You know, it's like, stay tuned, more to come. Is it worth it? Listen to this, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. For God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you demonstrated for his name by serving the saints and by continuing to serve them. Matthew 22, verses 39 to 40. Speaking of what we have already given uh, attention to, that great commandment 
among the Great Commission. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Why is loving our neighbor as ourselves, serving our neighbor as ourselves important? All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself is the bottom line for everything that we see in Scripture. Everything. Getting that foundation under our feet, we are walking on really solid ground as we seek to live for Christ and to bring glory to His name. And one beautiful way in which we can do that is not only through worship, not only through evangelism, not only through prayer, not only through Bible study, not only through giving and all of these aspects of the habits in our lives that should and must be there, but it is also through serving others. And I guarantee if we think about, oh, if all I think about is serving and all I'm doing is giving and, and, and that, who's going to time out? I've already mentioned this before. I just want to remind us again. If we're all ready to serve, we all will be served. If we are all ready to serve one another, we will all be blessed by the ministry of someone else. You're listening to the Clay Cullen Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more information about Clay Cullen, please visit us online at www.claybap.org.